Welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. Today we're going to talk about um, some more true crime type stuff. Everybody's so into true crime right now. True crime is it. It's the thing. Everybody just it loves happening. it. And since we're the thing, yeah. and that's the thing, this is this is the thing. We're going to talk about things. <laughs> Well, uh, Netflix has a new film out uh, by Joe Berlinger called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Actually, Joe's second Bundy movie, because he also did the documentary that Netflix has on called The Bundy Tapes. Yeah, so watch both. Which one would you watch first? I would say The Bundy Tapes. Yeah. Because I feel like when I was watching it, we actually, I talked about it with my husband afterwards, it was able, you're able to fill in some of the blanks, like... Going in educated and knowing what's happening behind the scenes, the stuff they're not showing you, I think is really critical to uh, appreciating more of the narrative because we're only seeing it from sort of the the um, uninformed narrator who's the Bundy's girlfriend or fiance. Right, right. So we don't actually know what he's doing when he's out, but if you watch the documentary, you know what he's doing when he's out. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you know, and this is a two-hour you know narrative film, and they can't put everything in. But if you watch the documentary, which is like four hours or eight hours or something much longer, then you know all the ins and outs of what happened. All Bundy, all the time. And everybody kind of knows the Bundy story, a serial killer, you know, who just was charming. Everybody, that's the thing everybody talks about with Bundy was he's so good looking and such a charmer and so clever and, you know, represented himself and the judge even complimented him about his, I would have enjoyed working with you, you know. And so everybody knows a bit about Bundy, but there, when you watch the Bundy tapes, there's a lot of things that I, I felt like I'd read books about Bundy. And I grew up in Tallahassee where he was, you know, where the Chi Omega murders happened and all that. So I was kind of felt like a, a slight weird connection by geography to it. And it was happening during a time when I was young and kind of fascinated by that kind of stuff. And like, oh my God, this happened. And friends of mine, Everybody had the stories like, oh, my sister's friend got picked up one time by a guy. It looked like, you know, everybody had the almost like urban legend stories about Bundy Bundy in a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's things that when you really get into it, when you really research the story, like uh, Joe Berlinger did for his Bundy tapes um, uh, series, you find out things you didn't even know. You know, if you're even if you're really into it, there were a lot of things in there that I was like, whoa, I never knew that part of the story but you do this new uh this new film the extremely wicked film you do sort of have to know the bundy story going into it you have to know at least something or it may if you don't know anything you may think that this is a film that's advocating for ted bundy right yeah, because you're not seeing, you're seeing what his fiance saw right. most of the time. So you're not seeing the evil side of Bundy, and I think people are getting confused. Uh, you know, comments I've seen about it that they think that's glorifying Bundy, but I think it's more about sort of examining how he was able to get away with it and fool people is for you know sheer charisma. Absolutely, yeah. The film is like you know if you don't know anything and you just see him and who he is and how he portrays himself, you're charmed by the guy. You just are. We should also mention that Joe Berlinger is uh, sort of the king of crime documentaries because he did all three Paradise Lost movies about the West Memphis Three case. 
of which Burke and I are very acquainted. Yeah. And he also did Brothers Keeper, which is another like stunning crime film. And these were all done before the big crime. And it you know, was Joe Berlinger and, and Bruce Sanofsky, who Bruce Sanofsky. sadly is no longer with us. Who is a and we got to be really good friends with Joe and Bruce during the process of them shooting the the films and uh, you know being being the subject of a couple of their films. But um, we weren't the killers. No, we weren't. We weren't guilty after all. Turned out we were innocent. But um, <laughs> but no, you have to watch the Paradise Lost films to know what we're talking about. But Joe has. Um, has made narrative films before, and this one is the newest one that he's done that's not a documentary, but it's still, it's funny. We were watching it, and there's a few shots in there, and I was like, oh, that's so Joe Berlinger. Yeah. That, like, you recognize the style, even in his narrative film. It seemed like the Paradise Lost films, or one of his other true crime documentaries, when he would have a newscaster, like the voice of a newscaster yeah. over footage, and then maybe an aerial shot zooming in, and uh-huh. I was, I got, I, I have to say, I got a little bit of goosebumps there at the beginning of the movie. I was like, this is, this is Joe Berlinger. This is a Joe Berlinger film here. And then the meta moment of Joe Berlinger actually being one of the reporters right. interviewing Bundy, yes. which was hilarious, <laughs> yeah. which I loved. Because Joe Berlinger that's so as a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> to see Joe on the other side of the camera asking questions. It with, was the, with guys with cameras and booms all around so him. So funny. It was very familiar. So, yeah. But anyway, so uh, most people probably know who, like you say, who Ted Bundy is. He's probably one of the most famous serial killers in America. Um, he was, I think he was arrested in 79, executed in 89. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that right? That's true. Something like that. Yeah. He was actually, um, they think he was operating like from 74 to 78, I think. So in that short amount of time, he was in jail part of the time because he was arrested and he escaped twice, which is also... Just an unbelievable part of his story Amazing. Yeah. is that he was able to kill between 30 and 100 women in the space of probably a total of two years. And this is from like Seattle to uh, you know, over Utah place. to Colorado and then down to Florida. That's extremely prolific in any serial yeah. killer's like history. When you read about them, it's usually like, you know, they killed 10 people in a certain amount yeah. of time. They don't even know how many. You know, he's killed so many. So going into it, this thing is front loaded with so much like salacious detail and stuff that's going to happen. But Joe takes an interesting point of view that isn't what you'd expect, which is strictly through the fiance's point of view, from based on her memoir, right? Or her, 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 yeah, her autobiography, book. right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a book, yeah, about her relationship with Bundy at the time. So she didn't know what he was doing. So as a viewer, we don't really know either. So we're kind of seeing him come and go in the middle of the night, not knowing what he's doing. And, and it that's took why me by surprise a little bit because I felt like you know I felt like oh, I don't know if I want to watch this because it's going to be this depressing murder story and we're going to see all these brutal murders and and uh, but the interesting thing about the movie um, I guess it's kind of like we don't even have to worry about spoilers right because I think we all I, you already gave it away that he's executed right so <laughs> <laughs> I would think most people already who want to watch a Ted Bundy movie should know this. But it but it does take a different, like you were saying, a different approach to the idea of telling a story about a serial killer. I mean, whenever yeah. when have you ever seen a movie about a serial killer where you don't see any serial killing, yeah. except a little bit? I mean, there is some, there are violent scenes in this, just so you know. There's some, some pretty gory violence, but... He pushes a cop. He pushes a <laughs> but cop But that's, yeah. that's at the very end of the yeah. film, you know. I mean, there is no real, they don't go in... He, we don't follow him into the murder scenes. No, not at all. None. Not at it's all. not a it's not a slasher film, you know, yeah. about a serial killer. It's a character study about yeah. the the side of Bundy that people didn't know, which was the non killers. Well, he was always a killer, but right. the side that 
maybe uh, is more informative on how he got away with what he got away with, which was appearing like a normal, you know, good looking guy who you just couldn't imagine doing anything terrible. And that was his great strength. And it also gives you that question. It's the question that you really have to ask yourself. When I, I watched this with my wife and I asked her, would you stand by me if all that was happening? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. if you love someone and they're being accused of some horrible thing and you feel like you know this person, you know, otherwise she wouldn't. I mean, if she thought he was a serial killer, she probably wouldn't be with him, right? So, Or let him be around her little daughter and stuff, you know, if she really felt like he was. Now, granted, there are some people who find that fascinating, find the guilt fascinating. Mm-hmm. And there, there's you know some of the people who gravitate towards killers and then marry them, you know, like the Richard Ramirez types and whatever. They yeah. they seem to sort of like the fact that they're that there's this caged animal that they can you know have a relationship with. But in in her case, to her experience of Bundy, it seems like she saw him as a completely normal, cool guy that she well, was in love she with. Met him, he wasn't convicted. He was just a normal guy. They met in a bar. They and it was kind of it was actually a really sweet. They were sweet scenes. I mean, he was a really nice guy. He didn't push her. He wasn't trying to be all aggressive. He they had this really beautiful scene where they're dancing and they kiss and they go back to her place and they actually just sleep together you know, on top of the covers and nothing's right. happening. <laughs> he was like a gentleman. Like he knew not to push. That was and, part of his, you know. I think part of his manipulation. Um, he didn't end up you know, killing her, but at that it's that sort of being able to gauge the female response to his. You know his character and and movements. So when she woke up, he was he was gone, and she was thinking, "Oh, great!" You know. And she's like, Ugh. and she goes into the, and then she goes in, and her little girl is gone. Yeah. And she's and like, she's, "Oh shit!" It's like, I and let the then, strange guy, and then you realize you let a strange guy in your yeah. house. Yeah. But then <laughs> like, he, the he, thing is, he's in the kitchen yeah. making breakfast, and the baby is in the high chair, and he's like, "What do you want? You want eggs?" Or and, and you can and, just see the like little hearts coming out of her yeah. eyes. Like, <laughs> yes. Because she was very insecure that she's like, I'm just a secretary and I'm single mom and nobody wants me. I'm invisible. And so the fact this beautiful man was like, hey, I love your kid. I think this is great. Like, I think she was totally slept off her feet. By well, her. she seems self-conscious about having a child, too. When he takes her home, yeah. the sitter, yeah, the babysitter, like, she goes, that's my babysitter. And she's like, you can leave now if you want. You right. know? And he's like, why would I leave? Yeah. And it was actually a really cute moment. Like, I was kind of rooting for them in a really yeah, perverse way. Like, oh, he's not going to leave, is he? Oh, I, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Ted Bundy is really oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> but and we should also mention, of course, Ted Bundy is uh, portrayed by Zac Efron, who I think was genius casting oh, yeah. because he, he looked... brought with him his already, you know, frat boy sort of appealing, you know, squeaky clean image, which played into Bundy perfectly. Right. Right. So you liked the guy. So here's this guy playing someone everyone liked by you know someone who has that kind of charisma, it, and he looked. It was amazing how often I was almost confused. Like, is this footage of Bundy? Like, yeah. he was so good. The hair was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> well, here's something yeah. I want to point out. The, the period detail is something I'm really, I really zoom in on because I've worked on things that were period, and I, I worked a little bit on Mad Men years ago, and there was a whole lot of attention to detail, like every little detail, things that you wouldn't even see, mm-hmm. but the, but you want that detail to be there for the actors, right? And I, w- I did uh, a lot of props and things like that, and it was always really fun for me to to create a fake world. And so I'm always fascinated by period period films and period detail. And this one really nailed it. I mean, there was like 
there was really good period stuff and the and even the hairstyles sometimes about the 70s the 70s were really ugly fashion time and there's a tendency for people making 70s films to kind of overdo it and to yeah. have everybody wearing big fat bell bottoms and yeah, it's like yeah. no not everybody was big wearing rainbow bell jackets right. right not everybody had the giant you know sideburns and but this one, they had a lot of reference material. You could tell that they really looked at their reference material. And there were a few prop photographs that were recreations of actual photographs. And, you know, that that one sweater that he's wearing when he escapes. Is, that kind of starsky look of sweater. Yeah. It's a very, very Starsky and Hutch looking style. But there's I have a, to say, just, just to interject, you know, because I love fashion and everything. I have to say, I always hated the 70s. I hated it when I was in the 70s. I hated, yeah. And then it's like, I look back now, I love the 70s now. I'm like, what was I thinking? That's the coolest clothes ever. <laughs> so Not, now, seeing all that, I was loving it because the fashion was so cool and natural looking. So Mew and I, right now, my wife and I are watching, we're going back, sometimes we watch old TV shows. And especially after we watched this Bundy show, we said, you know what, we, let's watch something really light and fun before we go sleep because just to sort of clear our mind. That's smart because I dreamed about Bundy all night long. Yeah. It was not good. <laughs> but we've been watching old Mary Tyler Moore talking about, you know, um, 70s, 70s style. Yeah, that's... yeah, they have like the long, like kind of pantsuit bell bottomy things in that. And it was funny to watch that after watching the yeah. Bundy movie because you're like, you know what I thought? Whoa, Mary is totally Ted Bundy's type. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Ooh. Ooh, that's the dream. Creepy. That's the dream. But, um,. <laughs> But the car, they got the cars. I think about that. You do it with fashion. Like I look back in seventies cars, and go Ugh, gross. Now I look. Oh my god, they're I'd so love cool. to have a seventy, <laughs> even a shitty like I don't know Dodge. I'll totally take it. They're yeah, so cool. I know, so funny. And you remember when we had David McCracken on, who directed Bullet County, and his movie was set in the seventies, and he talked about the cadence and how people talk and certain phrases. Yes, and they got that right in this too. That's what else I was going to bring up is really, just the, just the dialogue and how it was delivered. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a way that people carry themselves there is a when you it's funny when you watch a film from the 70s or footage just any footage that was shot of people in the 70s doing things you can tell what year it is you know what i mean you can tell it's in the and 70s it looks like it was shot 100 years ago <laughs> it's like but so it's grainy. funny in the, re, the part of the reason of that is there's some things that are subliminal that don't really you can't really put your finger on it i mean even if they're people dressed in just a white T-shirt and jeans, like timeless kind yeah. of clothes. Mm-hmm. They date themselves by the way they carry themselves and the way they, the way they enunciate. There's certain pronunciation things in language, and that's something that on period things that I've I've um, been involved in. That there's been some discussion. It's really hard for actors to do that, and a lot of times they just say, "Okay, let's just not do it." Well, especially yeah. if you've lived like I lived through the seventies. Yeah. You know, you did. I Kathy. lived through it. We lived I'm saying like that. We're 5,000. What was it like, Mark? <laughs> what uh, is it like being in the 70s? Tell us, tell us about the 70s, It was very Mark. brown and yellow. <laughs> and, like, and, and green. Shaggy. Shaggy. Green shag carpet. Um, with puffy sideburns. Like I yeah. <clears throat> mutton chops. But the, to your point, I think that, you know, if you've lived through it, and you, oh, yeah, that uh, this movie caught it. Yeah. And I've seen other movies. Well, that's not really the seven. That's some sort of like, you know, 
you know, blown out version of it. Fantasy Some, 70s. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I find myself kind of subconsciously looking for cars or something on the street that don't fit. Like, right. I, I see oh. it and I go, okay, this isn't real. I'm going to look for the car in the background that's like, you Oh, know. and when you see that, and I've seen that before. But like, I didn't you know, do that in this movie because oh, it all felt real. But I always do that. I go, there's <laughs> yeah. a Hyundai. It's yeah. 1962. <laughs> Bullshit. Yep. You know. Yeah. The other thing, the only, the only thing, and there's nothing to do about it, and I didn't want them to anyway. But even the muscular physique of Zac Efron, way more chiseled than anybody was in the '70s ever. Right. Oh, when he took his shirt off, I went, "Holy!" I was like, "Damn!" Because you know, you see Ted Bundy; he's got these little skinny arms. I mean, they weren't, they weren't skinny, skinny, but you know, he was muscular for then. But he then was when they had like a bunch. He didn't of have the actor's workout no. body. Probably he didn't yeah. have that full on like, and it was on full display because he did a bunch of nude scenes. Hey, everybody, Zac Efron's <laughs> naked in this movie. You guys, when see was it. there nude scenes? Tons. There was oh, a, oh, when in the he's prison. in the prison. Okay, in the prison. All right. The prison. He, went, he went straight from the Baywatch. Uh, you know, to he the, did. He's like, so, and I'm also it was like fully tan. You know, you're like, okay, that's not too funny, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Um, but that was the only thing, like when he's walking down the street and he has like his, you know, the tight t-shirt on and these high waisted, you know, bell bottom jeans, right. but he's looking totally buffed out. I'm yeah. like, nobody looked like seventies, yeah. <laughs> but okay. it wasn't the style. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jack, the style was fine, but the body was, was Jack, also very Jack fine, Malane, but not seventies. Uh, right. He wasn't even that cut compared to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, okay. I'll stop slobbering. Anyway. <laughs> Slobber stop. Kathy. Zach Efron. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. God. It's hard not to. You'll see. You'll find out. You'll know once you watch it. Um, but he but, was really, like, amazingly good in this, I thought. Yeah. He was. He, he was. I'm not really familiar with his work, to be honest. I've I seen him just in comedies. I've, I've never really you know? seen him he, in anything. I've heard his name, and I kind of knew what he looked like. He's done mostly comedy, sort of light stuff, or playing like the brazen frat guy in those Seth Rogen films. Yeah. But here he plays, you know, a, a real character, and he does a good job of it. He did. He did. He, he was likable, but there was a, I mean, he managed, without overdoing it, to have a, a strange coldness to his edge. eyes, a little bit of an edge. He didn't overdo it. No, but he didn't overdo so, it. Like, because many times, like, oh, he actually just seems like a nice guy, you know, yeah. the way he's talking. And but I think when you watch the trailer, like, especially that first trailer came out that made it look like it was this rollicking good time, like Quentin Tarantino directed it yeah, or yeah, something, right. yeah. where it looked like they were just making Ted Bundy look like he was a fun party dude that just happened to get on the wrong side of the law just for a second. Ran a red um, light, ran yeah. a stop sign. Oh, he killed a couple girls. But anyway, yeah. um, they they totally, like... When you see the movie, they like you said, they don't overplay it, but he has this always, even when he's being charming, there's sort of this creepy, like the smile's too big, the the he's looking over his shoulder. Like there's always some weird thing where he does not look comfortable, well, that he's like he's, a predator looking for his next, like looking over someone's shoulder for the next prey. It's always there, but not but you're still liking the guy. Or he's programmed in a way. He says yeah. certain <laughs> phrases over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like he uses this charming phrase. Yeah. You know, this is his, This works every time. Yeah. He's a sociopath. And yeah. when you look at old footage of Bundy, he did that sort of stalking thing too, yeah. that back and forth. Yeah. And his eyes, you know, that that famous footage of him which they recreated in the film of him um confronting uh, the sheriff Ken Katsaris in Tallahassee, mm-hmm. where where Katsaris was sort of this showboating sheriff guy who was using this as an you know oh here's my here's my chance to become famous so I'll, yeah. I'll align myself with this serial killer and I'll try to make it look like I'm the guy who caught him and I'm the guy who understands him and so there were two personalities kind of conflicting with each other Ted Bundy's sort of predatory 
sociopathic, manipulative charmer. And then this sheriff who's who actually thought that he could arrogant douche, yeah, kind of arrogant guy who pro, who thought, oh, I'm going to use this, mm-hmm. but he didn't realize what he was up against because I think from what I remember back then, you know, I remember when this all happened, everybody pointed at the sheriff and said, what an ass this guy is. Yeah, here's Bundy stalking around who's killed dozens of yeah. women. He's stalking around looking at the, like a, a tiger in a cage going, oh, this is a part where you pull out the paper and show me what it is. And he's just making fun of the guy and you're sort of on Bundy's side. Yeah. And that yeah. is not a good he's look. He's like, you no, get, you get your speak. Yeah. I don't get to speak. You got me under yeah. a gag order. I don't get my say. It's like, well, how fair is that? And there's a whole bunch of people... You know, clapping and you're like, yeah, he's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at the time he wasn't convicted. So at the time, all you see is an arrogant, you know, cop standing there giving a hard time to this poor guy. And and that, I think, is what the film is kind of going for, showing how some people because I do remember while this was all going down, there were people saying, I don't think he did it. Oh, I was please. looking at the footage. I was looking. I just don't think he did it. Nobody well, I mean, that cute could do look that. Look at him. Just look at him. Well, look at his the, eyes. You know, the, the, in the t- trial, there's all these, and they make note of in the movie, all these, you know, young women who are back there, and they're just, like, sort of making googly eyes to him. And he's famous now. And he was the first, I didn't even realize, I've forgotten this, he was the first televised trial yeah. in yeah. America because of the Supreme Court ruling. So he got the OJ treatment. So he was on TV every day. Everyone was watching it. And right. people in the courtroom were laughing at his jokes and applauding. Very entertaining. His, yeah, he was he was like you know getting getting his little burns in and stuff, and you know making these little comments and kind of doing what he did, which was manipulate people and control people with his charm. And when you see that, you realize mm, this is how he got women into his car. Yeah. Yep. That's how you do it. And what I thought was interesting too, because making that choice not to show. Ted Bundy murdering anyone, um, actually murdering them till the very, very, very end. And it was yeah, just for there a are second. moments. Yeah, um, I loved the uncertainty because, like, and you're you're in a way sort of, even though you know the truth, you're still sort of you know seduced by his charm and his, you know how he's acting, and you're you know you feel bad for the woman, but at the same time they seem kind of good together. You know, he seems like, but I like the pile up of stuff that keeps happening, and she keeps going, okay. I'm I'm sure he didn't do it, and you know, first he comes home and she she slaps him and she's like, "What kind of a stop sign did you run?" Now you're all over the news that you killed people. Oh no, it's all bogus. It's just bogus. Then he gets arrested. Now he's in prison. Somebody's then out he to escapes. get me. Right? He's all this persecuted. He's the victim. Mm-hmm. Then he escapes and he and he gets caught again. And then she, he's calling her like, "It's all they're trying to frame me." And she's all like, "Okay." And yet the sentences keep piling up. The accusations keep piling up, and she's still the evidence, up, and the she's bite all mark like, evidence. "I don't know what to think," you know. And you feel so bad for her, and every and I like how everyone in the movie too is like, "What is his hold over you? What is happening?" And yeah. in a way, you feel like they're saying that to us, yeah, you know, <laughs> as a society of letting this guy get away with it and charm you. So I like that they kind of put you in that position of not having all the information, just having what he's telling you, and going, "Maybe they are out to get him." I don't know. Or letting other people who are who are perceived as you know attractive and successful celebrity types get away with things. Yeah. You know, we you know one thing I've like learned in, Simpson? <laughs> in recent years, and other people too, but yeah. in recent years you know you realize how powerful celebrity is. If you're on a TV series and you play a fictional character on the TV series where you play a very successful powerful person and a, the series has a lot of fans, 
you can get them to believe that you are a successful, powerful person to the point where they will vote for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and Bundy made people think that he was a very smart. I, I remember a lot of people saying back in when it happened, when people were watching the trial, I remember the comments from people about him as a lawyer and people, you know, critiquing his self-representation and, and you know when he was on trial and saying things like my god this guy is a he's a genius he's an amazing lawyer he's great but when you watch it now or you or you you know read about darwin. it now darwin's commenting darwin disagrees <laughs> he's like i darwin didn't think he was a good lawyer not, at all he's a terrible lawyer <laughs> But yeah. now when you look back on it, it's like he wasn't that great of a lawyer. No, it was, it was kind of, yeah, but kind and of amateurish. Like, showboating. It yeah, was yeah. just, he was like playing it and playing the room. And and the judge is like, uh, I'll give you this objection. Bless your heart. Like yeah, he was sort of throwing him some crumbs, but in the meantime, everyone's like rolling their eyes going, this guy is terrible. <laughs> well, I think where it changes for me, like when um, Carol Ann Boone becomes a regular character. Yes. And then, you know, he asks her. For you know her hand hand in marriage, yes. you know, and then you realize well she's kind of odd, and then he says something that was interesting in the script like you're here now, yes. like she was going like um, <clears throat> what, aren't you still in love with Liz? In yeah, love? they had the big confrontation right. after yeah. having sex behind the coke machine. Right. Yes, yes, and <laughs> that the, the guard the guard was like you know whatever he was, you know, he was like, paid off. Yeah. He was like counting his dollars. But just that, like, when he said, no, you're here, so it just... It's like, oh. you're in love with her, but you're the one here now. Like, yeah. he didn't really not deny it. Yeah. Deny like, it. It's just like, you're here, and I'm going to use you now, because yeah. you're going to help me. Yep. There's a lot so. of sociopath stuff in there, a lot of yeah. sociopath behavior. Right. Well, he was all about using people. Yeah. Uh, right. On every level, whether it was using people to get what he wants, to using people to satisfy the bloodlust that he right. obviously had huge problems with. But, yeah. yeah. But, in the meantime, this is not a blood-soaked... You know, horror show at all, and no. you know, and that that is to its credit by doing that. I feel like I feel like I understood the situation more, even after watching the documentary. Like the sort of the more the the social aspect of it, like surrounding him and the people who cared about him at the time. Yeah, even his poor mother. Oh, but yeah, his poor mom. <laughs> I know. God, what a- it was so sad, but it also set it up so that by the end, when. We finally get to see a glimpse of one of the murders. So powerful. Yeah. Like, so like, oh, because at this point you're kind of like lulled. Like, yeah, Bundy, uh, he had kind of a pretty, pretty evil glare when he wants to, which was really effective. You know, yeah. he did a good job on that. But when they actually show it, you're like, whoa, it was, it was like getting kicked. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like so. Like the severed head and hereditary sort of. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this whole, you know, the, I don't understand some of the criticism saying it was being soft on Bundy. No, it's I, not. It's just being realistic of what exactly happened at the time. I think a lot of people think and, if you don't make him a monster, like, a lot of people want villains and, like, killers or even, like, Hitler. They want them to be monsters. They don't like the idea that. These guys like Bundy are human beings, right? And that they're operating from a human level. It's like they want it to be like he's a monster. Don't show him any other way. But you have to show the human side. But we've seen so many movies about slashers and killers and and serial killers and stuff. And this was a really rare opportunity to see it from a from a different perspective from the people who are around the person mm-hmm. who don't know that that's what they're doing when they go off at right. night. And the the interesting thing is the that I think this was probably discussed when they were having their concept meetings about the concept of the film. How do we show that in the film? Because if you show the murders, the the viewers are going to have this 
horrible feeling of this guy is a murderer. And when he's with this woman, they're going to be worried about her and thinking, oh, is he going to kill her any second now? But if we present the film in a way where Bundy is always seen for the first, you know, first good chunk of the film, Bundy is this normal guy. And you may, if you don't know about him, or even if you do know about him and you're watching the film you know, objectively or subjectively, you know, you're watching it like, like a, like a story. You're seeing this guy who might be being railroaded or might being mm-hmm. unfairly being processed by really the justice system. Really unlucky and persecuted. Well, that's what he thought. And that's yeah, what I mean, he it, was trying. That's what he played anyway. That's well, what played, he played. Yeah, yeah. He may, I mean, I, I got the impression too, that maybe the idea behind that type of presentation of this story um, was trying to kind of get across the idea that this is how Bundy felt because you wonder, and then there's the scene in the in the, when he was sentenced, when he stands there and he says, "I don't accept this sentence. I don't accept it because this is for someone else." Right. In other words, someone else did those murders, right. and you you feel you think about it, and you're like, he he may be talking about himself. Absolutely, the yeah. other yeah, that, that, that him that, switched, that did those murders. Right. That's I only like, around briefly. You yeah. know. You know. At night. You know. And I like where judges know. like. Well, your name's the one on the paper, <laughs> right? So this sentence is for you, Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that's who yeah. it's for. Both of those people are being sentenced. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a package deal. You know, yeah. the one who killed those women is also being sentenced with the one who's standing here saying I'm innocent. But I think the presentation of it is might have been a little bit of the idea that he felt that when he was in his sort of domestic situation with his wonderful relationship with the cute little girl and all that that. He wasn't a killer, you know. I, that's I'm this person now, right? And when I go out and I leave my child and my fiance sleeping peacefully in bed, I'm out carousing in my Volkswagen, and I pick up women and I, you know, slaughter them and dismember them and have sex with their corpse. Well, that's some other guy. That's someone else. And it's I'll like, go back and sleep with my wife afterwards, and everything's good. It's like that that movie from the '80s that uh, the stepfather. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I which I you know it's like you know like that, yeah. that one great line. Oh, this was. Uh, Maybe, uh, who am I now or something yeah, like that? He says, yeah. who am I here? Yeah, who am I here? Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, Quinn, yeah. yeah. That's a great yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah, really yeah. Good. Not the second one. <laughs> no. Hey, the first hey, one, hey, hey, hey. First one's pretty good. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an idea that, um, you know, you kind of wonder if, you, if, you know, everybody has trouble putting themselves into the mind of a serial killer. When you read books about true crime, I think one of the one of the things a lot of people enjoy about it is how bizarre these people are and how alien their brains are. Like, how could you possibly, how could you possibly get any sort of enjoyment or joy or anything, gratification, whatever? from hurting someone you know what i mean and you you don't understand the average person doesn't understand that and so when you read these stories about people like bundy it's like you're reading a story about an alien no an alien organism that you're wondering how does this alien organism Mm -hmm. function and how does it survive and how does it go through its day and one of the one of the things that you realize is that you can't put yourself into their brain because I can't make myself think like that. Mm-mm. But then you wonder, does this person use other tricks and techniques in order to function in their normal day? Because how horrible, haunting, harrowing horror would it be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to to have done that the night before and then go home and have dinner and watch television. Yeah. And then, so what these people must do if they're, and you, you think about it in terms of like, if it were me, 
mm-hmm. I would have to compartmentalize that. I would have yeah. to block that yeah. off, and I would have to portray myself. <clears throat> that that person is, you know, Mr. X, and I am me, and they, that person is different. I am not responsible for what that person right. does. And I think that probably... I mean, I know sociopaths don't really care so much about it. They don't care. It. And I think Bundy, enjo- I mean, he enjoyed it. Yeah. And so for him, he didn't mind. He didn't have to compartmentalize. You could yeah, tell sometimes, exactly. like at the trial when he would, and this is more in the documentary than the movie, when he's interrogating because he was a lawyer, one of the, the victims who survived, and he's making her repeat all these details. Yeah. And then a weird he, way of getting off on yeah, it all over again. He so liked it. he liked looking at the crime photos. Yeah. He liked remembering. So he wasn't one who had to even, he didn't have an emotional response that he had to hide from everyone right. around him because he was, hey, this, I'm happy now. You know, I did it. I did a good thing now. Even though I do feel like it seemed like he was kind of escalating, like spiraling down because it seemed like his stuff got sloppier and sloppier and more and more vicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he would eventually imploded and gotten caught anyway no matter what but well the Kai Omega thing always to me just yeah. seemed like a rage it did he left people that weren't it dead you know he didn't kill everybody he they just beat people while they were sleeping with a and, log. and yeah, ran it's through just a weird and then, random I mean, weapon strange you know it was like it was like a rage and i always wonder what what cause that where did that come from you always have to I think, think it's about the walls it like closing in you know cuz he was yeah. all over the news you know, it's like they, they knew they were still looking for him. He had just escaped. So he, he knew this was his last stand, I yeah. think. So he just tried to get as much out as he could. I mean, but I would know. Come, who knows? I mean, but he still, <laughs> had to make, thinking? he still had to make money. He still had to go to the grocery store. He, has, he still had to people. do normal things. Yeah, he stole people. He stole. Yeah. He glommed off of people. Yeah. And, but, but he still had to function. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. He had to survive. He still had to work within society covertly. You know, he had to be an undercover human. Yeah, he had to yeah. go undercover human and and uh, interact with other people. I mean, you can't. He couldn't stay monster Bundy twenty four seven. He had to come out of that. He had to back out of it somehow with some sort of a some kind of trick or technique where he could yeah. confront somebody and not kill them. <laughs> I know that was the weird part. Like, because even in the throes of when he was getting away with it, as most horribleness he still was in a relationship with this woman and didn't mm. kill her even though they say there were moments where he did want to kill her oh yeah yeah um she thinks he tried he wanted to kill her but um you, you just don't know and i and in fact in this movie what what i did appreciate were the quiet moments where you're sort of getting to know this person that we would never dare to know or want to know and right. sort of force us to confront that i did like that and i almost would have liked even more of that i mean i feel like we jumped from Quiet moment to oh he's caught and he's in jail then he's escaping jail then he's a little quiet oh and then he's back in jail and he goes, I almost would have liked even more drawn out character discussions well, just him he, being a normal guy almost yeah well he you know it's a, a two hour movie and it was a long tri- movie well you know he just it, it, it was those, a big story <laughs> those, it, it's a big story and a lot of it was just you know you know the yeah. Seattle stuff was basically just mentioned briefly I mean you know so you have to cut it somewhere yeah. and, and granted a, most of his time is in jail or on trial yeah <laughs> so and, and so you want the trial have. to be you know John, John Malkovich is the uh, yeah. Yeah. the judge you want, <laughs> yeah. you want him in there right. you know it's a really good cast I yeah. mean yeah. Uh, I thought they did a great job Haley Joel Osment was in there that Yep, he played like the the uh, nice guy. The nice guy. He um, was the young actor in uh, the Sixth Sense and mm-hmm. AI. All grown up. Yep. Lily Collins, who's Phil Collins' daughter, played. She was amazing. Uh, Liz Kendall. Those yeah. Big big eyes. Yep. She looks so innocent, like a deer. Ugh. James Hatfield of Metallica played uh, the cop <laughs> that originally arrested him. In the, you know, so in the funny. traffic stop. And I love that. Jim Parsons from. Um, 
that TV show. What's that TV show? That's, Big yeah, Bang Theory. Big, yeah, Big well, Bang Theory. Well, also, he was Berlinger really good. and Sanofsky did the Metallica documentary. Yeah. That's right. That's so the connection. Yeah. That would well, make Joe sense. was really good friends with those yeah. guys. So, yeah. he, you know. So, what was the name of that? It was uh, Monster. Monster. Yeah. So, but they're is, the monsters. <laughs> but the, it's, a, it's a, you know, um, check it out yourself. Make it up your own mind what you think. But I thought, I thought it was quite well made. I really and, liked it. And I feel like I was seeing a new way of looking at Bundy. And I also liked how Zach Efron could go from his, like, victim big wide-eyed, like, I'm innocent. I don't know what's happening. And then just turn those eyes on. And he would, like, he glared at the dog who barked at him. Like, those expressions were priceless yeah and when yeah. he's in that cell when the, she comes to visit him and he turns on that look oh so creepy and he looked exactly like bundy when he yeah. did it too. it was so creepy they did great with the hair and makeup and oh, so good i think you know, this will, will, will he'll, uh, hopefully we'll take on more you know sort of um serious roles uh mm-hmm. moving forward you know because i think he's got something there yeah yeah you know and we will be talking with joe barlinger um in the near future so we'll be talking to him about this movie on another episode but we wanted to make sure and talk about this because we were all very excited about it yeah it's yeah. interesting that to see joe uh, making a narrative mm-hmm. film but it, i mean the thing is it's kind of a weird um almost like a weird hybrid between um fiction and uh, and true crime it's not fiction it's a it's a and it's not a documentary but it's a fictionalized um true crime so it, it, joe has yeah. experience making documentaries about real crime yeah <laughs> so it's a drama yeah right is that what they call that is that what they in like the, when they take the documentary and they put actors in yeah what's that called there's a term for that. docudrama is it docudrama reenactments or something yeah I, I, but this is you know much a higher quality way than those way things. other yeah. level than that yeah, no it's, it's definitely checking out it's on netflix yeah, it's definitely worth looking at. <laughs> yes. Should we wrap it on up? <laughs> we'll wrap it up because we did really like the movie and it will be available for free on Netflix all the time. So you can check it out anytime. You don't have to go to a theater. Yeah. And like Kathy said, we're going to have Joe Berlinger on as a, as a guest. So uh, stay tuned. And, che- and check us out on <laughs> check Twitter out. at CinemanoPod. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram, Facebook, please, please, please write a review. Yes, say we that really we suck. Reviews. I don't care. <laughs> no, no, don't no. say that. I, I care. <laughs> I can, no. Please just write a review and please write in questions because, you know, we love hearing from you guys. And don't we have a MySpace thingy that's on the Internet? No, we do not. That we can, that you we can, do have a letterbox. That you can find out about us on the Internet. You can friend us on Letterbox, which is like a movie social media thing, which is yeah. really like. It's actually really fun. Cool. And listen yeah. to us on iTunes and, um, and our website. Public. We have a regular Stitcher. old-fashioned website, too, cinemondopodcast.com. Com where you oh, can find all the Mark's episodes. Blog. Oh, you gotta you gotta read this next one. <laughs> what is the next? Oh one? no! <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's about, what did you do? It's about what happens behind the scenes here at Cinemano headquarters. Oh no! Oh, that you signed a contract. This is this is going to be off the reservation. Nuts could be could be bloodshed and uh, you know peanut butter lawsuits. pretzels everywhere. Oh no! All of our secrets there for everyone to see. We're usually at half in the bag when we start these. Yeah. <laughs> Does it show? <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Yep. Yeah, thanks Check for listening. Check out the Bundy stuff on Netflix. Both of Berlinger's movies are great. And yeah, Joe, watch them both. And yeah. Joe Berlinger will be on this show in an upcoming podcast. Yeah, very soon. And that guy is worth listening to. He's got tons of stories. Oh, my God. So many. He's really fun to talk he's to. Changing so we're the looking world. forward to it. That's right. All right, people. All right. Good night. Bye. Cinemondo, signing off. (laughs) Bye.